Recorded in the undisclosed Always Be Watching Bunker is the Always Be Watching podcast, with disinfects of the remote control this week as we sit around with our masks and gloves on. This week, Dan is crazy, crazy I told you Chris, about the new techno thriller Devs, and I'm pretty lukewarm on the nostalgic anthology throwback Amazing Stories. Meanwhile, Chris, that's you, mm-hmm. uh, he's getting animated with Paradise PD, and he gives into his hunger with Ugly Delicious. This is the disease-ridden Always Be Watching. <laughs> We'll be back after a little bit of music. Chris Yates. Hi, Dan. Question for you. Hope this isn't getting too personal. Mm -hmm. And don't think I didn't notice that sniffle into the microphone. (laughs) Yeah, um, I've got some news for you. Have you got the corona yet? I might might well have the corona. Really? I I haven't been tested yet, but I've had a bit of a sniffle the last 24 hours. No, I think you're actually okay with the sniffle. I don't think the sniffle is a thing. A bit of a sore throat. How's that? A sore throat, feeling some lethargy. (laughs) I mean, more so. (laughs) Not more than usual. No, pretty pretty much standard levels of lethargy. Fever. Have you had your mum check your forehead? No fever. Uh, My mum has checked my forehead uh, and she said it. No, it was fine. Okay. Um, but still, I'm hopeful. Did she give you the thermometer? <laughs> Both the mouth and the... <laughs> no, no, there's none of that going no. on. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we all could have it. Who, who's going to get tested? It costs $500. That's too really? much money. Yeah, yeah. Really that much? Unless you're like... Uh, unless you can prove that you've got a pretty good reason to be... That you might be infected. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which I don't really. I, I, I think it's just from overindulgence on the weekend, Dan. I catch the train... Like, yeah, is that's, that surely enough? that's a good enough reason. I did go through Sydney Airport on the weekend, which I Ooh. noticed had a bit of a little red circle around it on the map. Wish you'd disclose that before I you know, came <laughs> Be- in a room with you. Locked in this small room where we're breathing pretty much directly on each other. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah. I I mean, I've some def- people can't pay good money for that. <laughs> I've definitely infected a lot of people, let's put it that way. Um, but no, I'm, I'm confident I don't have the virus. I think we'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, although two weeks of isolation would be uh, welcome at this point. I've got a lengthy Netflix queue, just want to work through it. <laughs> I could definitely get some serious watching done in that time. Interesting. And I wasn't going to talk about this, but we're on the subject, so why not? This is a TV podcast, right? It is a TV podcast. The idea of this podcast, we do reviews. Mm. Well, not reviews, it's more conversations about the TV yeah. we've watched. Commentary. Yeah. So we'll say if something's good or bad, but it's not a review. Like, we're not really going into the artistic merit of something. We're just... No. It's real guttural feelings about yeah, it. That's right. Definitely. Yeah. However, uh, sorry, something I do when I'm not talking to you on a microphone is I'll talk to other microphones about like the TV industry for like radio segments around the country. I've heard some of them before. You do yeah. great. You do great work. You're, you're too kind. Anyhow, <laughs> I was on one this morning, and the subject came up of the coronavirus and how it's impacting on the TV industry around yes. the world. Yes, and I'm deeply fascinated by this because like it's a big thing. Are your favourite shows going to shut down? Do you think? Uh, I don't think my favourite show is going to shut down, but something that's happened in the last. As we record this, twenty four ish hours. Yeah, is there was the announcement that they're going to get rid of the studio audiences for a whole bunch of shows in the US. Ah, so the first ones to announce were Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy, mm. which you'd imagine like both of them aren't really that audience dependent, so it's not a big issue. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah, like they occasionally like you hear murmurings from an audience, and I'll occasionally reference them. But what's it's the not... come on down one? Price is right. You couldn't do it for Price is right. Couldn't do it without. Pri- yeah, <laughs> like that. <laughs> that like Drew Carey, who hosts it. Yeah, like, yeah. He's right. gonna have to look for something else to do for a while. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, uh, but the ABC network in the US have announced that all their daytime shows they're getting rid of their audiences. Wow! So that's like the View. Yeah, is probably the big one. 
And then there's some other shows that I don't really know, to be completely frank. Mm. Uh, but I was thinking, what happens with late night shows? Yeah. So, like, I watch a lot of those. Like, um, it's one of my preferred genres of TV. Yes. I like hearing the same hacky jokes over <laughs> and over again. Uh, but, like, Colbert, like, you know, your Jimmys. Your, your various Jimmys, yeah. Because yeah. those shows imagine... that feed off, like, audience yeah, energy. those shows are not going to work without an audience. Well, see, this is what I'm excited by. So, I do watch a lot of these shows. But I always like it when they're forced into having to deal with situations out of their circumstance. Mm. So the obvious one is back in 2007 when there was the writer's strike. Mm-hmm. And you had, I think, was Letterman the first one back? So he'd struck a deal with his writers independent of the union. He, so he scabbed with his writers. He didn't scab. Okay. But like he, there, there was some sort of negotiation. It was sure. like, it was an authorized negotiated deal. Right. I'm yeah. not suggesting Letterman's a scab. I, I think you just called him a scab. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that just happened. Sorry, Dave. Uh, but pre that arrangement happening, all the Tonight Show hosts came back because the thing with these shows is that they output so many episodes like a week. And sure, you could say, hey, we're not in production in solidarity with the writers, but you've got all these other people that work on the show as well. Yes. So it's like, well, then they're firing a whole bunch of camera people because there's no show for them to do for like three or four months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, the late night show hosts, and I think Dave was one of the first ones to come back, said, hey, look, you know, we've got all these uh, people who'd be unemployed otherwise, uh, just going to come back. We're going to show that the show's actually a little bit shitty without writers. Yeah, and yeah. And the right. show's mostly work. <laughs> I think it was either Dave or Conan came back and for about two or three minutes on a show was literally spinning coins on their <laughs> yeah, desk just to see well, what's heads or tails. <laughs> yeah, that would have definitely... Yeah. That, w- that sounds like Dave. <laughs> So what I liked about it was that they had to sort of challenge themselves a little bit to do interesting things with the shape and format of it. Uh, there was an episode of Letterman back in like the early 2000s where there was a giant blizzard that went through New York. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, and I remember an episode where there was like 10 people that came into the audience <laughs> that night. And so Dave was like really playful, like just with these people that turned up for it and would be constantly involving them in whatever was happening on stage. And yeah, it was a fun hour and it's an unexpected thing that they just kind of have to roll with. And so I'm kind of excited about what could happen with these large studios that they film in. Uh, large in the case Colbert, less so the like Jimmy's because those are fairly small studios. Yeah, But even so, like they actually have to like, because there's a large space that they're performing to that's empty. Yeah, yeah. So do they keep doing the shows like on the stages that they're on? Do they go out into like the bleachers and sit out there for a while? Like, how do you stage a show like that then? Uh, I think Jimmy Fallon will have no problem. The, the <laughs> consummate professional and hilarious man he is. I'm sure he'll be totally adaptable there. Business as usual. Business as usual for the Jimmy Fallon. But yeah, Colbert, I could imagine playing around with not only just the theatre that they're in, but there's a large building that supports it as well. Yes. So if he like just goes and hangs out in the offices, why not do the show there? That would be fun. I would like. Yeah. To see that. So there's stuff they can do. Yeah, cool. I look forward to that. Um, yeah. The writer's strike really messed up a bunch of good shows, didn't it? There was a whole bunch of shows that never really recovered from that. Yes and no, because Lost had a truncated season. I think they only did 14 episodes of that season. Uh, yeah. But I would dare suggest that season, which I think was season five, probably their best season. Right. Oh, there you yeah. go. So you know, uh, I remember some he- Heroes went really bad. I was right into watching Heroes. Yeah, that was kind of bad from the first episode. Though. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I went there. Uh, that's your opinion, uh, Dan, and you're entitled to it. Um, <laughs> Other Corona stuff, uh, Amazing Race Season 33 has been cancelled. Oh, no. They got like two legs into the race and they're like, we can't keep doing oh, this. Oh, yeah, of course, because there was a lot of travel. They're international. Like, yeah. They're everywhere. Oh, God. Y- you can't necessarily be there going, oh, and here's your challenge to eat a big bowl of pasta. <laughs> and it's like, you're in Italy. And it's like, ah. Oh. So oh, cool. be, a good challenge could have just been no, not getting the virus. That would have been... Uh, that, <laughs> yep. That's who wins. But in between legs, I'd have to spend 14 days <laughs> and just see if anyone shows symptoms. Yeah, true. Tricky. Yeah. 
Um, oh yeah, well, let's hope that there's not more uh, cancellations. Survivor will be fine. They're all out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, the good thing with Amazing Race is they've actually got a season in the can. Oh, that's good. So, like, they don't have to worry about it too oh, much. So the, yeah, right. So, it's not the next one. It was the one after that they were. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't realize how far ahead they shot that show. No, that is surprising. Yeah, I think there might have been a delay, possibly. Hmm. But, yeah, a whole bunch of corona stuff. Uh, a couple of other quick corona things, because... Yeah, know, yeah, bring it is, on. This is the season. Uh, you've got Quibi. Do you know what Quibi is? Uh, is it... <laughs> no, I don't know what it is. So, Quibi stands for Quick Bites. Yeah. Because, of course, it does. It's the new streaming service that everyone's hotly going to be looking after very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so instead of being on your television, like how you watch your Netflix or your Disney Plus, Chris. You don't know how this I is, watch my Netflix. It's on your television. I know this. I've sat in your lounge. <laughs> Quibi is all on your mobile phone. They've spent hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe in getting close to that magical dollar figure with a B involved. And all it is, it's short form videos, like eight yeah. to 10 minutes is the usual length of a Quibi production. They've spent a huge amount of money getting, like, big-name talent to go and produce Quibi series. And they're launching with, I think, 50 shows that launch. And there's going to be, like, a whole bunch more over the next year. They're going to have a big red carpet event the night before their launch. So, their red carpet event was the 5th of April. And I've said, no, nah, I can't do the red carpet now. So, now I've got their launch for their, you know, very expensive uh, thing that they're rolling out. Uh, so, that can't happen. you got the Olympics in a few months' time. Yeah. Uh, so, there's questions over whether that's happening. That's looking unlikely. Huge problem for most TV networks. Bigger problem for NBC in the US that have spent close to a billion dollars just wow. on the Olympics alone. NBC this year are launching a new streaming service called Peacock. Uh, it's going to be available to like a small pool of people in the next month or two. But the thing went live for everyone at the time of the Olympics. And the idea was that you can stream live stuff through this app as well as like uh, stuff yeah, on right. demand. Big part of it was going to be watching the Olympics. Yikes. If they don't have the Olympics, they've kind of screwed up their launch. And this is a big deal for them. Yeah. They'll yeah. just have to, and it'll, it'll just be 30 rock repeats all day. Which... Pretty much. Not a, not a bad thing. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm fine with it. I've got to watch a lot more 30 rock than the damn Olympics, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, I'm very okay with but that. But yeah, I realize that these are big investments that these, that yeah. these studios make. Uh, the Cannes Film Festival. Mm. Uh, that's still going ahead. Hasn't been cancelled yet. But I think in France, they've got a limit of events where you've got more than 1,000 people in the same oh, yeah, venue. Right. So that might have some implications. But I think broadly, because it's mostly movie screenings and like the occasional party, it's probably under 1,000. So they're probably okay as far as French law is concerned. Yeah, right. But let's say that the disease gets worse around France. They may not necessarily be able to go ahead with yeah, the thing. Yeah. Uh, so apparently they weren't able to get insurance for the coronavirus. Okay. However, the insurance company said to them that, hey, look, we've got another bit of coverage that'll you know, look after you for this time period. And the organizers said no. So if oh, the wow. film festival can't go ahead, then there's going to be some big financial problems. Wow. That's full on. Yeah. What's so anyway, lots of Corona fun. Fun with Corona. <laughs> In the daily Always Be Watching newsletter, I had a segment about it this morning and I called the segment Corona-arama. Now, is that too lighthearted? No, I think Am we're I still not treating that- it with a... I think we're still allowed to be lighthearted about it. Yeah. It's, it's in every single meme I've seen on the internet for the last week. So, yeah. But next week, probably not. I, I would hope not. <laughs> uh, as, in, as in, we'll have to get serious about it at some point. Yeah. I think when people that are, you know, are in our, when people in our country die, that's when we have to stop joking about it. I think it. there's already been one or two, hasn't there? Has there? Yeah. Well, maybe know. not. I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting panicked. Yeah, you're just panicking. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, <laughs> the good thing is when the disease breaks, we'll be able to sit around and watch a lot more TV. Exactly. Um, and for that, I welcome it. 
and we've probably got maybe four TV shows you could consider during that time. Chris, do you want to kick us off with the first one that someone may want to consider? Yes, you may want to consider watching Paradise PD on Netflix. Good morning. How's my favorite dad? Kevin, I'm a divorced guy with no balls who has to wear a testosterone patch to keep his mustache from falling out. So I'm shitting rainbows! Yay! That's great, Dad. Say, do you still have that open position on the force? What do you think? No one wants to be a cop anymore. Hello? What about me? Chris, I'm laughing already. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, no, I think it was last week I talked, or a couple of weeks ago, I talked about a uh, new animated show by the creator of, well, one of the Simpsons showrunners, created by... Um, Mike Scully. Mike Scully, which was called... Duncan... Duncanville. Duncanville. Yes. Uh, which was very good. And I was kind of mm. like, oh, look, it's, it's pretty, you know, this is good, but it's pretty easy making one of these cartoons, making it funny. <laughs> you know, like, it can't be that hard. There's been a lot of, there's been a lot of setup for it in the past. Um, you know, people know what to expect now. It's not a big shock. Uh, clearly, that's not the case. Um, Paradise PD is pretty bad. So Paradise PD, I have to admit, haven't seen it, don't know anything about it. I think this is a Netflix original animated show. Is it's that a right? Netflix original show. Yep. It is the second season has just uh, launched. So I saw the thing pop up and I thought, oh, there's a new cartoon. I'll watch that. Went into my uh, Netflix device. Yeah. Uh, and it indicated that I had already seen the first episode of Paradise <laughs> PD, which was obviously not very memorable. But I thought, oh, maybe, you know, I got distracted. Something happened. Kind of been that bad. Maybe my partner watched it. Not likely. But, you know. I'll give it another go. And instead of jumping in, so instead of jumping into season two, I just watched the pilot for a second time uh, and thinking that I would then watch an episode from season two. Now, am I wrong in assuming that this is like a fine wine and it only got better? <laughs> it definitely, I don't know. It's really, I mean, it is just the, uh, it is just the pilot, so maybe it gets better. The premise is pretty bad. Um, so and I guess it's just... It, what it, is the premise? All right. So it's a small town. There's a... Um, What's it called? Uh, the small town. Paradise, yeah. I believe. Wow. Um, and the uh, and the protagonist, I guess, is the son of the local um, police chief who only has like four people in his police force. Of course. Um, he uh, In the pilot, he is a small child, about five or six years old. And while his mum and dad are getting intimate, he uh, busts into the room with a gun and accidentally shoots his dad in the testicles twice um, with his dad's police gun. You should be laughing by now, Dan. This is what they're expecting. Sorry, I'm mortified. Go on. They're expecting you to laugh at this point. Uh, and then uh, cut forward to uh, 10 years later, the kid's grown up. He wants to join the police force. The wife has divorced him and she's become the mayor of the town, of the small his town. Mother. His mother has divorced, divorced the, the father. The father. Yep. Um, the father thinks it's because he's got no testicles, but the mother says, no, it's because you're a sexist jerk. And he said, yeah, as I said, you don't love me because I've got no testicles. Uh, and the, Which is the name of a great country in Western Ireland. <laughs> yes. And the kid is now grown up and wants to join the police force, but his dad doesn't want him to because he shot him in the testicles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, do we know any interesting All like, right. people behind this? Yes, okay. So I, I don't really know the people behind it. The uh, You might recognize their names. The creators are Roger Black and Waco O'Gwin. Um, no. And uh, the executive producers include those people and Scott D. Greenberg and Joel Kuahara. 
Um, the uh, voice actor, which is kind of what got me in, the leading voice actor is Tom Kenny, who you might know as SpongeBob SquarePants. I do. Uh, <laughs> personally. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, a very massive talent there. And then the only other voice I really recognised was uh, Sarah Chalk, the second Becky, uh, and also the from the... Um, I'd say the superior Becky. The what? The superior Becky. Incorrect. But anyway, the Scrubs Becky. You do know that Lisey Goranson, who played the original Becky and is the current Becky. She's back to the being the new Becky, is yeah. she? In the, in the one I, I refuse to watch. Here's the thing. I don't think she was ever very good. Oh. And the current Becky, whew, <laughs> that is a rough performance. Really? Oh, well. Yeah. It doesn't uh, matter like what you think of Sarah Chalkin. <laughs> by default, she's automatically the best <laughs> Becky. Radio. Um, it did get me thinking nostalgically about Scrubs and how I should probably watch Scrubs again. But I, I've I, been thinking about that as well lately. I, I wonder how bad it is. Like, I went through... I hated it when it was on. And then I watched it like, you know, five years after it was on and I kind of was like, oh, this is fine. I'll watch every episode of this because my life is boring and I have nothing to do. But yeah, God, I don't know if I could go back to it. It was, it was quirky. <sighs> yeah, it's definitely quirky. Uh, it was definitely better than Paradise PD. I don't want to totally uh, shit on it. I should watch a little bit more before I get an idea of how it actually goes down. Can I mention some other names involved in the voicing? Oh, yeah. The voice actors? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got David, David Herman, who did some voice work on Futurama. People who probably best know him from the film Office Space, where he's one of the main leads in that. He's kind of like the oh, yeah, nerdy-looking yeah. guy. He's the guy that, that beats up the photocopier. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the gangster. Yeah, I didn't He listens to him. gangster music in the car and then winds <laughs> up the window when a black man comes up. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great, Great jokes. Great thing. Uh, Cole Kinane, who's a very good stand-up. He's one of the regular voices on this. And Cole Kinane, I believe, performing in Sydney in a couple of weeks. Time. Oh, really? There you go. Yeah. I don't know who that is. He's very good. You'd quite like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's about all I really You didn't re- recognise any of the others? Yeah, uh, no. Like, there's a few sort of regular people who appear in a few episodes. So, like, John DiMaggio, who's Bender in Futurama. Like, oh, yeah. is he? In it? Well, he's, he doesn't yeah. come up in the main one. But no, anyway. he's, like, done four episodes of it, so right. it's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a legend. Uh, mm. But he's also in everything. He's in, he's in yeah. my kid's favourite show, Storybots, and that show's terrible. <laughs> no, it's actually pretty good. Uh, I should have just reviewed Storybots. Um, but anyway, yes, Paradise PD. Like, maybe it'll come into itself. If you're absolutely hankering... Oh, it's got a talking dog, too. I forgot to mention oh, that. Oh, hello. Now it's talking. <laughs> the police dog talks and takes lots of drugs. That's kind of funny. Uh, it's very, like... I don't know. It, okay, so you weren't into it. I wasn't into it. It's probably a little bit too family guy for me at this point in my life. That's what I was about to ask you. Um, it's very family guy. Um, and we've watched enough family guy. Well, I was just going to say, is it just that it's not quite to your sense of humour, or do you think it's maybe a lesser show? I'm not sure who's... I, I've got a pretty broad sense of humour, I'd argue, and there wasn't a lot of humour, per se, in the episode. It seemed very hung up on trying to tell its ridiculous story. Um, which then in the pilot involved, you know, the kid trying to prove that he could be a cop and yeah, pass. <sighs> Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Like I say, it could definitely get better. It could get, I I mean, all it really needs to do is be a bit funnier. It wasn't very funny. You've only watched the first episode of the show. I often find the first episode of shows like this, because a lot of it's about setting up premise rather than things. So like, particularly in an animated show. I know. And I did want to watch a couple more to get in the groove, but geez. I yeah. just couldn't do it after watching one, so maybe Not that's feeling a, inspired. <laughs> no, so maybe that is a sign of of things to come. Okay, but I see that it's it has been renewed for a third season already. So there's at least three seasons of it to get your teeth stuck into. Maybe they'll get it right by then. Paradise PD on Netflix. 
if you love cartoons in the half-hour Fox-style format, I'm sure you will uh, like like it, even though I do and I didn't. Chris, I'd like to talk to you about a TV show. <laughs> uh, I was just going to ask you, Dan. That's so funny. Uh, what have you been watching? Here's the thing. Have you ever been... Like, you've lived some life, right? You're going to talk about the one you like first? You've lived some life, right? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Okay. I lived a fair bit on the weekend. Let yeah, me mention so, that again. Well, this I've heard, but I don't think we can legally <laughs> talk about that on the podcast. Now, you've lived some life. You've lived. You've loved. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Think about that time, like maybe a younger Chris, like out in the world, you've, you know, encountered that woman out of there just, you know, randomly. You've just gone to get some milk from the supermarket and you're obviously going down a candy line because you're at the supermarket and that's what you do. Yeah. Uh, you're down there and then you just like bump into someone, you have a meet cute, there's a little moment. You weren't expecting this when you went down to get your milk, but then suddenly you're just in this whole new world. Your life has just opened up. Your heart is singing. It's pounding, Chris. Your heart, it's just throbbing. Maybe. It would have been a long time ago, but yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm talking about a much younger person. sounds familiar, yeah. I guess. <laughs> sounds like something that could have happened to someone like me. Exactly. But, you know, it's just yes. one of these things where sure. life just changes dramatically. Yes. I had that experience with a TV show. <laughs> Not a real woman. Oh, yeah, well, that's, yeah, no. clearly. Shout out to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I had this experience, Chris, where I turn on the TV. I thought, I'm just going to watch this show. I'm sure it'll be good. I like that movie he made that one time. It wasn't my favorite movie. It was pretty good, though. Lots of people really liked it. It was this show, Ali G? It wasn't Ali G. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'll let you do your But thing. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to give the show a go. I'm sure it's okay. It's got a good cast. It looks good. Wait a second. I'm really enjoying the show, Chris. Wait a second. I'm having a meet you. <laughs> Chris, I watched the TV show Devs. And you literally start tomorrow, just straight in. Apparently. I mean, there's a security process, but as long as I pass, by the end of the day, I'll be in there doing it. You're not going to be able to tell me anything about what that is. I might be able to. No, I'm saying let's keep it simple. You tell me nothing and I never ask. Otherwise, it could be... A thing between us, you know? I don't want it to be a thing between us. I'm not going to be able to sleep. Chris, Devs, you should watch it, it's quite good. Yeah, you've mentioned it to me previously, and I reacted the same way I normally do when you tell me to watch something by going, oh, yeah. Extreme disinterest. So this is a... I'm looking it up. This is a TV miniseries. It's from Alex Garland. He's the gentleman who wrote and directed the movie Ex Machina, which is a very good little sci-fi film from a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. This, no, this looks good. It is good. So the cast of this... <laughs> uh, so there's... Like, the leads of the show are people that you probably don't necessarily know. You might sort of know the faces. But the couple of names I want to throw at you is Nick Offerman. Yeah, so he's not a lead. He comes up straight uh, well, he's, away. He's more or less a lead. Right. So he's not like the fo- like he's not the protagonist of the story. He's probably an antagonist. But I'm only two episodes in. I'm not quite sure exactly what's going on. What else did Alec Garland make? Did I? F- his name sounds very familiar. Uh, so but I he, haven't seen that movie. Uh, he used to work a fair bit with uh, what's his name? That gentleman who made that movie. Oh, he's the he wrote the you've, beach. You've That's seen the movie, I, Danny Boyle. Yeah, yeah. I, I've read that. Uh, I've read the beach that he wrote. Yeah. So, he used to do a lot of Danny Boyle films, but now he's off on his own. You know. Was Danny Boyle in that? No, that was Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, Danny Boyle, movie. like, director. Interesting. Yeah. So, right, Nick Offerman's in this. 
Uh, then you've got a few other faces that people would know, like Alison Pill, who people might know the face, but if you've been watching Star Trek Picard, she's oh, yes. one of the leads of that. Uh, she's also from the newsroom and a whole bunch of other shows. Uh, there's a guy in it who everyone will know by face, but definitely does not know by name. Uh, his name's Stephen McKinley Henderson, who he's an older African-American actor, largely on the stage, but you've seen him in movies and TV shows here and there over the years. Um, he'll jump out at you immediately. They're not really the protagonist. Oh, and also Zach Grenier's in it from The Good Wife. Yep. Yeah. Favorite show, Chris? I still have never watched it. But you got to give it a go. Someone told me to recently, and I was like, oh, even though Dan's told me to watch that a million times, I might watch it now. <laughs> Someone I respect has mentioned that. <laughs> okay, so anyway. No, it sounds great. Really good cast. Alex Garland. It's an eight-episode miniseries. The premise of this, and I should get to that. Yes. Uh, you got this I dude named Ser- uh, Sergi. 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 Russian, young Russian guy. He's in his like mid-20s. He's working for a startup around San Francisco. Of course um, he is. You know, it's a Silicon Valley story. So anyway, him and his longtime partner, the two of them both work for this company. And it's not your standard sort of computer software company. This is one that is involved in like biohacking. Right. Okay. So you don't quite know exactly what they're doing, but this guy, Sergi, is working on this project where they've uh, managed to be able to predict the movements of um, some sort of like molecular like bug type thing. It was, right. I, I can't remember what it was. But anyway, they were able to trace and predict what it was about to do before it did it. So the idea was that they could do it for like about two seconds before they lose it. But that's a big step forward in terms of being able to predict, say, biological creatures like movements. Yes. So anyway, he, the, he's very excited with his team. They present it to their boss, which is Nick Hoffman. Mm-hmm. He's the head of the company. Uh, and then he comes in with Alison Pill, who's like his offsider. And the two of them sort of seem a bit disinterested during the meeting. But anyway, the meeting comes to an end and he pulls Sergi aside. And he's like, hey, look, you know, we really like the project, but we really like you. We'd like to elevate you to this project that we're working on. So he's kind of giving him like the keys to the castle. So there's a team, the devs, and no one knows what they're working on. But it's something probably biological because that's what the company does mm. and they work in a remote sort of high-tech security part that's part of the campus but no one's welcome to go out there it's mm. all very isolated mm. so anyway he goes off and becomes a part of this team but he goes missing ah. okay and i don't want you find out in the first episode what's going on with him kind of okay there's some question marks in the air because it's a bit of a mystery a bit of a yeah, thriller yeah. that's going on but the rest of the series is his partner who also works at the place and she's a bit of a polymath sort of a person it's her trying to figure out what's happened because everything i've been told and shown isn't quite adding up mm. so anyway she goes deeper and deeper into the world around this company that they're working for is really strange there's a very large statue of a young girl like a massive statue, like Statue of Liberty style statue, like that just sort of stands above like this campus sort of watching over everything. It's deeply dark and creepy. And the general mood of it, I've been trying to work out all day how to actually convey what the mood of this is. Like it's similar to Ex Machina, if you remember the sort of creepy nature of that film. But the way I describe it is, you know, when you wake up in the morning, it's a Saturday morning and it's like about 4.35 a.m. Like it's really early. And you know, you should probably still be asleep and everyone else is still asleep. And you know, the world's going to start populating. But for a little while, you've got the world to yourself. Mm. Things feel a bit uneasy because it's not necessarily like no one's active and it's just kind of you. Yeah. It's that feeling captured on a TV show. That's very interesting. Yeah. Normally, I would have a cigarette. Yeah, and if you that could. was me, maybe a little drink. That would work for watching the show. Mm. But that is the mood of watching this program. But I anyway, lo- it's just, it's so meticulous and so nicely crafted. And while it's definitely meticulous and there's a bit of a slowish pace to it, you're not going to notice that slow pace. Like there's enough kind of coming at you every couple of minutes where 
you're in on it. It's great TV. I like a slow pace anyway. You know that about me. I like yeah. things to hit pretty slowly. Saying it's a slow pace, I think, is unfair to the pace that actually operates. Like, it takes its time, but, but it's but not... But the story itself is... Yeah, 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 it, yeah. It doesn't really feel slow while you're watching it. And there's so many sort of high brain ideas being flung at you. Um, Nick Offerman, it's his first kind of serious role, would you say? I wouldn't Has say he that's done true. A few? Uh, he's done a few, like, pre-Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah, right. So, I he's in an really episode of Deadwood. Oh, example. is he really? I yeah. didn't know that. I think it's maybe like the second or third episode. Mm. Uh, he shows his little Offerman. Wow. I should yeah. watch that again then. <laughs> You've given me a real good reason to watch that again. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. All right. No, I'm in. It sounds like exactly the kind of thing I'm into watching at the moment. Uh, yeah. I think lots of people will like that. I feel like there's a lot of... Uh, that sort of stuff plays pretty well in these times of unease and uh, uncertainty and technology and all the things that we're going through right now. Absolutely. If this was a show that was on uh, HBO, people would be all across this because it would just get that sort of extra, you know, bump. extra bump just from the HBO-ness of it all. Yeah. Uh, it's not though, so I don't think people really quite know this is a thing yet, mm. but I reckon people are going to start talking about this soon. So get on board. Yes, I will. Have you watched it all? Uh, so it's a weekly show. The uh, first two episodes dropped last week with the launch of it. Yeah. So in the US, it airs on the new FX on Hulu. Yeah. Which is like a if you log into Hulu dot com, there's like a thing saying FX on Hulu, and it's just all the shows from the FX cable networks in the US. Yeah, yeah. So that shows like Sons of Anarchy and Terriers and um, Always American Sunny Story, in Philadelphia. Always Sunny. Although I don't think that's is that part of the package. I think it might be. It would, yeah. it would want to be. Yeah, there's that's a few the shows that don't quite got. make it because they're sold elsewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, and then in, it's on Foxtel here, And right? then in Australia on Foxtel. Fantastic. I yeah. definitely will check it out. Yeah, it's exceptionally good. I'm completely smitten for it. I only seen the first two. It could all fall apart. But at the moment, like, my love affair, like, <laughs> the heart is pounding. It, it sounds like the heart is pounding. And it's a fun, it's a good time to sort of jump onto. It's nice to have something to look forward to, isn't it? Yeah, no, On a absolutely. weekly basis. It's been a while since there's been one of those shows. Well, since Mandalorian, I guess, and Watchmen, which was only 10 minutes ago. <laughs> but still, yes. Uh, yeah. But excellent. like, Watchmen, if you think about, like, the quality of that, it's a very similar level. Like, yeah, this is really, well, it feels like an HBO level. Yeah, yeah, big know. production. Yeah. Great stuff. It's really good. Uh, Chris, what have you been watching? Uh, I am going to briefly talk about um, the new season of Ugly Delicious. Are you going to feel weird cooking in Mexico? Weird in what way? Like, you don't belong. Like, in Korea, they call me like a gyopo, like foreign-born American... I that I don't belong, right? Mm. Do you feel like they're going to talk shit? I think they will. Of course they will. They have a huge history beyond what we recognize. It would be insulting not to acknowledge that, right? You'll be shocked to know that this is a cooking show. Chris, I am shocked. <laughs> How many cooking shows have you done on the Always Be Watching pod? Uh, probably I think yeah. that 33. <laughs> no, it couldn't be that many. And I don't love all the cooking shows, but I do like them when they have a little twist on them. So... Um, Ugly Delicious has had a very had a very very strong first uh, year, and I watched a few of them. I didn't watch all of them, but um, it has that very. Uh, I would say it's in the um, vein of the style of show as made famous by um, the he who should have been sainted um, uh, Anthony Bourdain. Yes, sir. Uh, um, 
in that it's uh, you know there's a there's a travel element to the show. So the first season featured a lot of him, uh, a lot of the uh, chef David Chang uh, traveling around uh, various places, looking at the way uh, you know modern interpret like different interpretations on kind of classic food. So he went to like you know he would go and see a, a masterful Japanese chef who had decided to make pizza, and he would go and and then he would compare that to like an Italian pizza master and uh, who who was doing stuff a bit differently, maybe using Japanese ingredients. Lots of nice, um, like, not, I don't want to say fusion ideas, but, but, but comparisons of different sort of modern cooking styles and, like, people doing really interesting stuff and not just your sort of standard thing and always incorporating that element of kind of travel and um, hotspots. So. And David Chang's a bit of a personality. He's a, he's a very uh, charming, very, very interesting uh, guy to ch- just, just to hear him chat. And so, yeah, so it's very conversational as well, which is another thing, of course, Bourdain was very good at. And, Don't um, you think it's a bit of a shame? Obviously, it's a shame that Bourdain died. But, like, it seems like such a shame that he died before he had the opportunities to be paid a huge amount of money oh, by absolutely. Netflix Absolutely. I mean, imagine. He was like, there's all these people now kind of doing Bourdain-style shows. Yeah. And which uh, was happening when he was alive, of course, as well. Mm. But, uh, and it's yeah, like he was absolutely. the first person to do it. But no, but he just did. He I think he just sort of nailed it, you know. Yeah. And I think, like, yeah, there's a lot of... it's it, Yeah, it's just terribly tragic. And also, you know, I feel like his kind of personality is very suited for our times. He's a very straight talker. He's a very, uh, you know, um, smaller liberal. Uh, thinker and like you know he was just a just an interesting guy who had a really some really good life, life philosophy and like to talk at how it how but, it is but like even the shows that he was creating all feel like what we now think of being Netflix shows yeah absolutely but like pre-Netflix like he really sort of designed that model of TV yeah absolutely and yeah now there's all these people who are doing Bordaini shows yeah. which he should have had at least one having said that of course David Chang does a very good job I think and he'll say you know he's really great he puts uh, there's a lot of other guests on the show uh, Aziz Ansari um, and like Nick Kroll and some other people were in some of the other shows, so they would go and have the conversations with him, which would also, you know, give it a little bit more levity and stuff. Um, the excellent, uh, so I, I don't know how what, what's going on with the second season. There's only eight. Uh, there's eight episodes of the first fourth. Ah. I'm not sure what's going on with this one. There's eight episodes of the first season, and there only seems to be four of the second season. Um, and What's interesting about that is that uh, the first one takes a very different step. It it looks like the rest of the season is going to sort of pan out to be more like what it is, but the first episode concentrates on the fact that Dave is basically having his first kid and he's freaking out about it. And he talks to other chefs about the idea of having a a baby and what what that meant to them in their lives, which um, is interesting in the world of chefery as you know like these people work i know chefery is not a real word uh, <laughs> don't bother googling it um but you know these people work a lot they work 20 hour days they work massive late at nights huge hours it's a massive commitment especially when you've got your own kitchen or whatever and often not for a lot of money of, often not for a lot of money like these um more successful ones obviously are there at the point where they have done that but they still have to work their asses off so there's often, and especially when we revisit and think about stuff like Chef's Table, there was always, um, you know, with the, with the male chefs, um, there would always be this whole a sense of uh, missing out on large ch- chunks of their kid's life because they were so busy in the kitchen and that they, that, that they just had to work all the time. Um, and as much as, you know, they wanted to spend the time with their kids, they were they had to they had to work. So it's really interesting hearing him come into it with those kind of concerns. He's really freaking out about it. He wants to be a good dad and wants wants the kids to have a good family, but he also doesn't want to 
stop doing this thing he loves. Um, so it's great hearing him talk to some other uh, fellow chefs about that and really just making you think about the different kind of sacrifices people have to make to start families. Um, but also it's interesting because then he um, gets some advice on how to make kid-friendly food. So there's some really you know interesting ideas there that you wouldn't normally see. So I think it's a great start to the premise, a uh, great premise to start the season and it really gives it a bit of life and something a bit extra than what you wouldn't expect. And the first episode follows that whole um, sort of course of them finding out they're pregnant and telling the parents and then the baby being born at the end and everyone being happy. And then it seems like it's back to business as usual for the next for the next three episodes. So... If like me, um, I'm just doing my wrap up now. Yeah, sure. Uh, if like me, you're in, you, you, you enjoy spending time, quality time with um, David Chang, then you're definitely going to love it because it's a really great insight into his personality and takes away from that sort of more lighthearted conversational style that he'll have with the celebrities and with the chefs. And it really gets, uh, although sometimes they do get a bit deep and meaningful as well. But this is a really great insight into his character, and it's it's lovely, lovely stuff. Of every episode you've seen, is there a preferred episode? Uh, no, look, it all kind of, I, I can't remember them all that clearly because they all sort of, they do bleed into each other. Because you sat other. on the couch and <laughs> you Netflix it. <laughs> and I uh, ate it quite a bit as well while watching it. But no, I think, um, I would, if you were, if you were asking if, cause you wanted to check one out, I would definitely just start at the, the first episode is great. Um, of the first season, which I do remember, um, uh, which has got some uh, a very very light moments from Aziz, but just it, it it's a it's just a really there's some good introductory and good setup and stuff to it, so I'm sure you would find it very enjoyable. Yeah, and you can find that streaming on Netflix. So that's on Netflix. Season two just uh, dropped a couple of days ago. So yes, brand new, fantastic. I've been meaning to give it a look. I think this is the impetus I need to do it. I think you should, and I think like out of all the ones, I think you would get because I think you would enjoy the talk show style banter mm. of it as well and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely give that a look. I still think you've got another show to talk about, haven't you? Look, it's not even just necessarily a show. Like when I talk about my TV, I don't talk about the shows I watch. I watch about my stories. Your stories, I like yes. to see my stories. Yeah. And I don't just like to see any stories on TV, Chris. <laughs> I like to see amazing stories. Yeah. I'm sorry. <sighs> I owe you a debt of gratitude. Yeah, no, don't even worry about it. What on earth are you doing? Uh, sorry, is there like um, like a trap door or some kind of secret exit or something in here? People usually use the front door. Hey, look, I, I promise, I'm trying to go home. I just, I don't know how. Why can't you go home? Where are you from? I can answer that, but you're not going to believe me. Chris, Amazing Stories, did you watch this as a kid? Yes, I, I vaguely remember. What, what's your Amazing Stories memory? Like, which episode's the one that jumps out at you? Uh, look, I, I don't Is know. Is it the same one remember. as everyone? Uh, I, I'm going to have to look it up. I, I do remember the um, I, I remember the video cover in the video shop more than I remember any of the episodes. <laughs> well, and there was a lot of these things, right? So there was like, uh, you know, it was very Twilight Zone, right? Yeah. Um, is 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 the one with the uh, the animal, the, the the goblin on the plane wing? Is that Amazing Stories? Okay, that's an episode that's Twilight Zone. <laughs> right. So you're about the Gremlin on the plane, the which Gremlin is the plane. an episode of the Twilight Zone called Terror at uh, Twenty Thousand Feet. Nightmare yeah. at Twenty Thousand Feet. That sounds that sounds right. So the '60s episode of that has William Shatner. Oh, and then really? they remade it as part of the Twilight Zone movie, uh, a, yeah, which yeah, is probably yeah. the version you've seen, which has John Lithgow. Yes, I do remember that the same character, and that was directed by uh, George Miller. So, the 1985... Can, can I recommend, get on YouTube and just watch the... Because you'll find it easily enough, I'm sure. The episode of Twilight Zone with William Shatner in the... Oh, yeah. Sure, of course I will. Like, it's such a great half-hour TV. It's fantastic. I'm just and really, he's great enough. So, there was quite a few episodes. Well, I, so, what's the one I should remember and maybe I won't? So, 
Okay, so there were two this seasons. This is 85, right? Is that, am I looking at the right one? Yeah, I think it played in Australia a couple of years after that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so the episode that, when I talk to people about amazing stories, which I do so often, Chris, <laughs> the episode that always comes up that everyone remembers is the episode on the plane where the wheels aren't going down. It's like it's a World War II plane and people are flying back from a mission. Right. The wheels won't go down, but there's a guy on board who's a cartoonist. And, like, while everyone's, like, just getting nervous and just, like, really upset and, you know, dealing with, like, the human issues of, like, their impending death coming. Yeah. This guy's just been, like, cartooning about, like, some giant cartoon wheels on the bottom. And at the end of the episode, the cartoon wheels are just there. And so the plane lands with these big cartoony wheels. Mm. And no, I don't remember lives. it at all. Anyway, it's a nice little moment. And they're using the same plane that Memphis Bell was filmed on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I always conflate Memphis Bell in this episode <laughs> as Amazing Stories is the same thing. But anyway, Amazing Stories ran for two seasons. It was executive produced by Steven Spielberg. Yep. They brought along a whole bunch of very well-known directors and writers to create episodes for Amazing Stories. Very few of the episodes are actually really remembered because, quite frankly, I don't think the show was ever really that good. Yeah, right. But it was fine. Like, you know, there was a lot of talent. And there were some big name stars appearing on TV shows that ordinarily wouldn't. Season one, episode 10, Guilt Trip. Dom DeLuise. Yep. Lonnie Anderson. This sounds like a love boat cast. Charles yeah. Nelson Riley and, <laughs> and Charles Durning, who I don't know that, who that is. Oh, Charles Durning. You definitely know Charles Durning. Do I? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. The, the, the uh, actors and... Uh, yeah, big name cast right there. <laughs> Dom DeLuise. He was, he, there was no one bigger in the 80s, pun intended. <laughs> uh, he was pretty amazing. So anyway, big legacy name. When they announced that there's going to be a reboot of Amazing Stories, everyone got excited about it because people were like, well, there was this great show I watched as a kid. No one really remembers the reality of the show, which is that you're <laughs> watching the show as a kid. And, yeah, 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 yeah. It's sure. never really great. So, the people running the show is Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. These are two dudes that ran the Once Upon a Time TV show recently. You know, it was that ABC, like US ABC show with like all the fairies house. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It was okay TV, not really quite my thing. No. Uh, Spielberg's back on board as an EP, but I'm sure he's just cashing some checks. I don't know if he's that really that involved in it. But anyway, they've brought along a whole bunch of TV writers and directors to craft new amazing stories. But the thing is that unlike 1985, where the only sort of anthology shows that were kind of around was there was an attempt to reboot The Twilight Zone, which would have happened around then roughly. Yeah. Outside of that, I can't think of that many others that were happening. We live in an era of so many anthology shows. Yeah. You've got great ones like Black Mirror. And then you've got some other very good ones like Little America, which just debuted on Apple TV Plus a few weeks ago. But like, there's probably like 35 other anthology shows yeah, yeah. that just aren't coming to mind right now. There's a lot. And so, there's expectation that these need to be really good. I've watched the first episode of Amazing Stories, which is also on Apple TV+. Plus. I have to say, it is rough viewing. Yeah, right. Hard going. Not because the episode was necessarily bad, and I've only seen the one episode, and I think that's the only episode that's been available to critics as well, so, you know, there's not much more to go on. So, the episode I saw, and there's always a different cast in this, it's a different writer, different director... But this episode was about these two guys, the brothers, they're restoring a farmhouse in Iowa. And one of the brothers, who's the younger sort of single guy, you know, the other one's more of a family man. He's downstairs and his life's a little bit directionless. And he ends up finding himself traveling back in time after going to the basement of this thing. And he finds himself in not 2019, I guess, but in 1919. He's traveled mm. back 100 years, Chris. Oh, wow. When he's there, you won't believe it. He falls in love with a woman who's destined to die soon. Oh, no. Falls in love with her, and he's trying to work out how to bring her back. We've seen the story before. <laughs> yeah. 
Guess what? what? By the end of the episode, he works out how to travel back to 2019 and get the girl back. Oh, that's good. Okay. There is a twist. I don't want to ruin what it is. Is it his grandmother? No. And he brings her back and then he doesn't... He's not born? Not quite. Oh. Yeah. But anyway... That's why they didn't get me to write these things. That's not too far removed. But anyway, we've kind of seen this before and it just feels like a little bit hacky. Like, it yeah. kind of feels like an episode of Amazing Stories I might have watched as a kid. Yeah, that's right. It, it has and, that sort of vibe to it. And in the spirit of recapturing what Amazing Stories was... Like, they've nailed it. Like, it actually feels like it was an episode from back then. But it just kind of feels just so stale and there's just no energy or anything really going on. I will say that if I had, like, a young kid, like, let's say I had, like, 12-year-old, like, Dan Jr. We'll say 10-year-old Dan Jr. Yeah, sure. If I was sitting down with a family with Dan Jr., you know, the wife nearby and, like, maybe the dog sitting nearby, probably have a great time. Like, it's a good sort of family, like, hour of TV and no one's getting offended by it. It's just... Dan, you, Dan Jr., but he just wants to watch PewDiePie. Yeah, probably. <laughs> he's not going to watch he's, TV. He's on his phone he's like, what the hell yeah. is this crap? But, like, I could imagine, like, a family sitting down going, this is inoffensive, like, yeah. it's fine. The kid would probably go, oh, that was kind of exciting because I haven't seen that story before. Yeah. In the way that everyone else in the household, including the dog, has seen <laughs> that story many times before. Yeah, and I was looking at, like, the people that wrote and directed it. So, the writer was uh, Jessica Shaza, who's written stuff, like, nothing sort of, like, outstanding sort of jumped out. Like, a few of says the L word and stuff like that. Yeah. But the guy who directed it is this dude named Chris Long. And I was just going through his filmography, and I saw a bunch of titles in there, and it's things like the mid-90s Lois and Clark TV show. He did a few Gilmore Girls, Smallville, Supernatural, Weeds. This Charmed. is a lot of your favorite shows of all time. Oh, look, there's a few shows in there that I actually quite like. <laughs> but like none of them, I would say, are necessarily that sort of technically accomplished in yeah, terms sure. of their visual stylings. Yeah. And they all sort of feel very much like traditional TV yeah, definitely. in a lot of ways. And you definitely felt with this. This felt so traditional yeah, and right. so just out of the box. But if you want to watch some stuff that is very much just comfort TV, like you probably get a kick out of it. And I've got an Apple TV Plus subscription, so I'll probably You'll just probably keep watching watch it. And it's the kind of thing yeah. with it, like anthologies, there might be some really interesting ones. Like there might be. Like in a couple of weeks' time, I might just see an episode that just blows me away and I'm desperate to talk about it on a podcast. I can't imagine that after the first episode. <laughs> and like you'd think with the first episode that put out their best, especially for something that's weekly like this, yeah. but it's not the case. So I don't know, amazing stories. Like maybe check it out if you've got a subscription, but I wouldn't go out of your way. Man, I've just been um, looking at the synopsis for the season one uh, from 1985 of Amazing Stories. looks pretty dull, but I clicked through to season two. I've got to read you some of these. What do you got? The Wedding Ring, season two, episode one. A gold ring with magical powers transforms a weary waitress, Rhea Perlman, into a sexy seductress. Also starring Danny DeVito. Fantastic. That sounds great. I can only presume that Rhea Perlman is also playing the seductress. (laughs) I'd hope so. Um, a college student, John Cryer, discovers a potion that will allow him to meet the girls of his dreams. I'm pretty sure that's every movie from the 80s starring John Cryer. I was going to say, everything starring John Cryer. <laughs> but this one sounds amazing. A horror movie fan. Sorry, who was playing the girl of his dreams? Uh, it doesn't say. Girls of his dreams. Uh, girls so. of his dreams. Hello. Um, welcome to my nightmare. A horror, f- a horror movie fan, David Hollander, becomes trapped in a scene from the so- Hitchcock thriller Psycho. Oh, I, I remember that episode. Starring Robin Lively and Christina Applegate. I reckon I remember that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, Christina Applegate and there was one more that I wanted to show that'd be a pre-married with children Christina Applegate uh, there was one that was just um, John Lithgow uh, is a single bachelor who buys a doll uh, which that sounds interesting <laughs> it's probably not quite the story you think it is uh, no I would hope not um, and then there was an animated episode which was a highlight a light-hearted look at family life through the eyes of a dog 
with the voice of Annie Potts. So that was Family Dog. It spun off into an actual TV show. Did it? Yeah. Whoa. Well, I've got to watch that. Uh, so anyway, even though despite your lackluster um, uh, review of Amazing Stories 2020, I'm quite interested in Amazing Stories 1986 <laughs> Season 2. So it hasn't all been for naught. No. No, uh, it's not. Now, I was thinking about the episode that I had watched of the show. Like, I was talking about how this guy travelled back in time and everyone in 1999... Everyone in 1919 are wearing sort of purity sort of clothes that kind of feel like it should be more like 1880 right. rather than 1919. Uh, so that felt a little bit weird. But there is a moment where he's like escaped with the girl and they sort of, you know, left their own devices one evening and he finds his way into a speakeasy and they go into this underground bar and so have some drinks. And at that point, the show kind of came alive a little bit more because you saw something happening in the show that you haven't seen in versions of that show before. Right. And I was thinking that if you didn't necessarily play with the idea of traveling back 100 years in time, but maybe he just travels back to the 70s, and it's a guy from 2020 who's just head back to 1970, and he's like there hanging out like punk clubs or something. You could tell the same version of the story, but because you're setting it in something which hasn't really been told as part of that kind of storytelling before, like it would be maybe something. Yeah, sure. But yeah, it just... I don't know. It really bothered me just how little <laughs> creativity there was in setting it up. And Fair maybe enough. that's the mandate for the show, to make it as comfortable as possible. But yeah. Yeah. Not not um not yanking your chain. No, it didn't yank my chain. <laughs> I but, don't think that's the right way to say that. But anyway, yes. Anyway, Amazing Story, it's on Apple TV+. Plus. Can I tell you briefly about something that absolutely yanked my chain during the week? Yes. Okay, so obviously devs discussed earlier. Have I ever talked to you about a show called Curb Your Enthusiasm? <laughs> yes, but I haven't only watched the first episode of the new season. I haven't caught up yet. Okay, first of all, catch up because the episode that aired this week is an all-timer. Oh my god. And possibly only because a special guest star, John Hamm. Ah, right. Now Playing himself? Playing himself. And that's always the danger with Curb. Because yes. sometimes they'll get a good cast <laughs> and it's playing like a cousin of like, yeah, yeah. Larry's sister or something. And you know, it's just Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I was very nervous. Are you going to spoil this for me? No, I'm not. All right, okay. I was super... Well, no, I'm not going to spoil it, but (laughs) I was super nervous about it because sometimes, like, you build things up so much in your mind and then the actual execution of it isn't quite there. Sure. It's totally there for this. And what I like about this is John Hamm, big Madman fan, so, you know, I was keen to see that. But he loves comedy. Yes. And he likes working with some of, like, the best sort of, sort of, Aussie sort of... Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, he doesn't like the sort of hacky guys. Like, he likes the people doing fun, interesting stuff. Yeah. So, him partnering up with Larry David, like, I just knew that John Hamm, like, working with Larry David would be, like, a career highlight for him. I just got that sense. Yeah. And I certainly got the sense of watching the episode. That's true. That he's having a good time. The premise of the episode, okay, and I'm not going to spoil it. Oh, all right, all right. But the premise is, is that John Hamm is working on a movie, and the character that he's working on is based on Larry David. <laughs> what a Larry David type. It's not strictly him. George so, stands in it. So he's organized a deal with Larry David that he's going to shadow him for a couple <laughs> oh of days. And so it's about him following Larry David around and just like monitoring everything that he does and trying to take on Larry David like mannerisms as he goes. Amazing. Yeah. I feel anyway, like there's a, there's a great <laughs> twist with it, which I'm not ruining that. Good. But my God, it is incredible. I feel Kid like Icarus flew too close to the sun and then made it over the sun. He just kept on going. I feel like that's a good enough premise that it should have been the whole season. I've got to watch the whole season of that. You know how they've done that with like the producers and stuff. That oh, would look, be. Absolutely. And if he's back again for another episode, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh my God. But I'm hoping that much like because I don't know if Larry David got a kick out of hanging out with John Hamm yeah, for a week you can never tell what's going to yeah. impress that guy not much I don't know if John Hamm like had a great time doing it maybe it was a disappointment <laughs> doing it I think it worked out well for him yeah but I'm kind of hoping that it's a little bit like working with and I can't think of the name of the comedian right now um, Leon 
Oh, uh, yeah, JB Smooth. JB Smooth, where, you know, he comes in for a couple of episodes and then suddenly sticks around <laughs> for the next few seasons. I'd love to see John Hamm sticking around. Oh, that would be great. I, I think he brings something pretty special to it. And I feel like John Hamm can do whatever the hell he wants these days, right? <laughs> he absolutely can. He seems to be. He seems <laughs> to just be popping up in stuff he enjoys. He seems to appear in any movie where he can wear a suit. Yeah, yeah. He just, yeah. He just so it's like it. playing lots of lawyers and cops. I can't remember if I read this in your newsletter or if I saw it somewhere just um, by checking it out, but I, I noticed that there's a new season of Babylon Berlin. Did you watch Babylon Correct. Berlin? In fact, I was going to talk about it on next week's show. Awesome. I look forward to that. I haven't watched any of the new one yet, but I just saw it was there. Nor have yeah. I. I've only seen the first season. I've got to catch up. Oh, yeah. I definitely watched the second season. It was, oh, yeah, it was very, very... It's very good. So mm. I'm very excited about that. I wasn't even sure if it was coming back. So um, that's one of the advantages of not paying attention to any of the media <laughs> that's around about any of this stuff because there's exciting stuff like that. So yeah. cool. I look forward to chatting with you yeah, about it then. Babylon Berlin, probably one of the best TV shows that no one's watched at all. Yeah, absolutely. I was yeah. shocked that they got more and the, it was just so it was yeah incredible so it would be great to see more of that it's a hard show to pitch at people to watch because like it is German and yeah. the subject doesn't seem like hugely exciting no and it's not like it's not something revolutionary in its in do its you want to explain what it is quickly it's like a detective story right yeah like, so set, like in post World War One yeah. Germany so like it's the Weimar Republic and as soon as you hear the phrase Weimar Republic it's like oh yeah the whole thing just sounds like it's going to be a boring et- exercise yeah. in revisionism and stuff but it's but, totally but it's not, not the way I would explain it is you think about everything you've seen from the 1920s with like flappers and jazz and like all that sort of fun stuff that was happening yeah. in terms of US counterculture of the time. Uh, you think about that, but set it in Germany where people didn't really have any money, but like the young people are still trying to get out there and have like a fun time. You think about like young people doing that. So one of the characters is part of that world, but then she gets mixed up with this detective who's like a very sort of serious guy investigating yeah. a murder mystery, but it's also based in like the porn world of the time. Yeah, and it was yeah. and it was sort of based on books, right? It was based yeah, on a, series of, a series of novels based around this um, around this detective. Yeah, uh, which makes it sound very Miss Marvel or something. But it it's, does. It's, it's, but yeah, it's like such an alive show. Yeah, and like it's the most expensive show that had been produced in Germany, yeah. well, produced in Europe, I think. Yeah, that's that right. Point. And really interesting in its set pieces because they're all obviously shot in now and just computer modified to look like the time, and they're just mm. immaculate. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. But no, like, it will absolutely come alive for you. Mm. It's great TV. And watch it with the dubbing on it as well. Yeah, yeah. The dubbing is actually a really good dub on it. Yeah, And yeah. I think some of the actors are actually doing their dubs. Yeah, that's that sounds believable too. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Oh, well, we got it. Anyway, but yeah, we'll talk about that soon. Excellent. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's what we've always been watching. <laughs> um, uh, thanks for uh, having me on the podcast again, Dan. Why do you why. even say I, that? I don't know. I say it every time, don't I? It's fun. But... <laughs> why do you even say that? Like, essentially every week I'm like, Chris, is it okay if we record today? And then you deem whether it's, you know. <laughs> all right, warm. all right. Well, it's been a pleasure is what I should say, as yeah. usual. Um, if you're interested in always be watching, you can uh, find us on all of the platforms where things exist. That's correct. You can sign up to the newsletter um, at uh, alwaysbewatching.com, which uh, has uh, more information than you could ever possibly need about what's going on in the world of television. It has a couple of little uh, digs at me sometimes, which I really appreciate. (laughs) Well, it's only this week. (laughs) It's only because you killed a show, Chris. I know. I felt terrible about that. What was the show again? I can't even remember. Uh, It was the RuPaul show. Oh, yeah, that's Um, right. We talked about AJ and the Queen last week, and then a couple of days later, cancelled. Cancelled. I'm not not overly surprised, to be honest, but uh, I'm I'm disappointed for RuPaul. And for my partner, who yeah. will be devastated. Black Widow, Chris Yates, killer Netflix shows. Um, Dan's on the Twitter, the Dan Barrett. Correct. On the we've got groups on the Facebook and the Reddit. Yes. And please, if you listen to our thing, tell your friends about it. Yeah. 
get some more people listening. Yeah, we're on Spotify. Just tell your friend with Spotify. Spotify. Hey, look, just load it up in there. You don't have to download a podcast app for this. It's no, like right there for it's you. right there in the thing you use to listen to your Barnsy. Yeah, your Barnsy, your Fonzy. All of those, all the Zanzies. All, all that makes sense for Australians outside of that. People are like, what the hell is Who are these this? dudes? Uh, they're like the Elton John of Australia. <laughs> I don't know. I love them both. I love them all. Um, I'll see you next week, Dan. I'll also see you next week. See you then. Bye.